Well, good morning, everybody. It's really lovely to be with you. I haven't been up here for a service for a few weeks, actually, so I've been up here for lunch, and I've seen quite a few of you. But it's lovely to be back up here worshipping with you this morning on this really special of days as we enter Holy Week. Uh, A special uh, welcome to those who are watching at home online, whether you're watching live or watching later on. I know quite a few people are away today and may well be watching later on. And if there are any visitors out there, a really warm welcome to you as well. And we want to say a particular um, hello to to Shirley, uh, who is at home and is celebrating her birthday today with her family. And Shirley, we send you lots of love from us all and our prayers continue to be with you and the family and Derek at this time. Today um, we of course remember Palm Sunday and we remember Jesus's triumphant entry into Jerusalem and Jeff's going to be helping us to reflect on that uh, a little bit later. But this was just the start of a week where all sorts of things happen, the most important week in the whole of history, the week that changes our lives and changes potentially the lives of everybody who has ever existed. And so as we come to worship today, let's just begin to enter into this story and think as those people welcome Jesus on that first Palm Sunday, we here come this morning to welcome him afresh. But I wonder whether sometimes we actually don't know who we're welcoming or perhaps have the wrong image even of who we're welcoming. Let's pray today that as we meet that God would give us the true image of this Jesus whom we come to welcome and worship this morning. Jesus entered into Jerusalem humbly on a donkey seeking to transform the people. People gathered from everywhere to wave palm branches and praise him as royalty. Jesus enters into our lives humbly, seeking to transform our hearts and lives. Let us worship Jesus Christ together and receive him into our presence. Hosanna in the highest. Let's stand and sing all glory, Lord, and honour, and offer him that praise and worship.
Do be seated. And as we remember that first Palm Sunday, we remember that those people, many of those people who shouted Hosanna on the Sunday, shouted crucify on the Friday. And it reminds us how fickle we are, that we can desire to serve God and then actually just get carried away in the way of the world and just utterly reject him. So let's take a moment to pause, shall we? Just to confess anything ourselves that we need to confess before God, knowing that he is faithful and just and has open arms to say, welcome home, you're forgiven. Jesus says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is close at hand. So let us turn away from sin and turn to the Lord, confessing our sins in penitence and faith. Most merciful God, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, we confess that we have sinned in thought, words and deeds. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbours as ourselves. In your mercy, forgive what we have been. Help us to amend what we are and direct what we shall be, that we may do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with you, our God. Amen. And Almighty God, who forgives all who truly repent, have mercy upon you, pardon and deliver you from all your sins, confirm and strengthen you in all goodness, and keep you in life eternal. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Well, I wanted to just um, share some news with you, because there's been an awful lot going on in the last couple of weeks that is really exciting, and some of it's been happening here, and all of this is to do with all of us. And that is particularly what's been happening with our children and our schools in the last couple of weeks. So um, here are some pictures. These are some pictures from Experience Easter in Malvern Wells, which uh, I know, looking around, there are one or two people here who have been part of this. Uh, If you don't know about Experience Easter, Experience Easter was written by um, Sean Vickery, who's Joe Vickery's wife, and Joe, who is one of our um, retired priests now, um, particularly at St Andrews. She wrote it about 20 years ago, and she tells me it's now been delivered to, to over a million children. Um, over the years. Quite remarkable. And so basically there are different stations of the Easter story. The children go around in different groups, have someone guide them at each station as an activity to do, um, and at the end end up at the tomb where just they talk about the resurrection. And uh, it's just an amazing um, thing to be able to tell uh, and for, for children to enter into the story. Um, Helen Wilkinson was at the Witch talking to some children about this uh, last Wednesday, and they said, what was the best, what's been the best thing about all the churches put on the last few weeks? And they said, experience Easter, because it helped us really feel we were in the story. Um, and it was just, she said, it was, the feedback was, was brilliant. So we did uh, the Witch School here at All Saints. We did the Paris School down at St. Andrews. And we did the Wells School in the Wells. So we, we did um, nearly, uh, nearly 300 children through that. But that wasn't all. 
because we've also had Full Front Theatre go and take their amazing new production called The Parable Keeper into our three schools as well, just to give you a little taster of it. Um, just the context of it, you know, it's set in a, like an antique shop with, uh, called the Parabularium, and the guy is basically loves parables, and he, they, they tell lots of parables um, and, and talk about Jesus' parables um, in a really fun and engaging way. Here's a little clip of it when they did it at the Well School. So, any guesses of what the parable was? If you could hear what they were singing. Where's that sheep? So, it's the parable of the lost sheep. And the sheep just appeared at the... You can't see it brilliantly up here, but just appeared at the top of the curtain. And they did the lost coin, the lost sheep. They did the parable of the talents. They did an amazing one of the widow's mites with a little puppet. They did a finish with the prodigal son. It was just incredible. And, you know, just telling the gospel and talking about Easter, and saying, you know, I'm a Christian, this is what I believe. Just so, so powerful. If you want the opportunity to watch this, this afternoon, go to MEC at four o'clock, because they are doing it there, and whether, you you know, whatever age you are, this is just brilliant, and you will love it. So go and have an afternoon out to MEC at four o'clock this afternoon, and, um, and watch it, um, because it really is fantastic. So we've, um, we've been able to, and, and, and actually the church has paid for these productions. So, you know, actually if the church, if you guys hadn't given, these productions wouldn't happen. So um, thank you for giving to that. And so that has um, uh, been shown to um, over, over 400 children in our three schools um, this week. And on top of that, We've also had uh, our two Easter services here, and um, Ruth Wharton and I also went to the Grove School for the first time this year, and we did an Easter assembly there, which is new and, you know, real openings there, exciting stuff. So thank you for your part in that. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your giving. And just realise that this is part of who we are here at All Saints. Um, and, uh, you know, we are really involved in children's lives and making a difference. Um, and, um, oh, well, also, I'll, I'll talk a little bit later about, you know, Easter stuff. I thought that was coming up here, but it's not. It's coming up later. So we'll talk about that then. So a bit of excitement after the sermon, too. We're going to have our Bible reading now. I am looking out to see who is coming to do it. Because the person who was down to do it isn't here. So it looks like I'm doing it. Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19, starting at verse 28. And on your church Bible is 1054. So the triumphal entry. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethpage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. 
Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you why you're untying it, tell him the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. As they went and were untying the colt, his owners asked them, Why are you untying the colt? They replied, The Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near to the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they'd seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and your children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So before Jeff comes and uh, shares with us, we're going to sing a couple of songs, a Palm Sunday songs, just praising our God, just like they did on that first Palm Sunday. Let's stand.
Hosanna to the son of David. We want to say Hosanna to the King of Kings. We want to bring you glory and honour and praise and declare that Jesus, the Messiah, is risen and reigns. And we thank you. And as we come to just reflect on your word and the story again of Palm Sunday, would you meet us in this story afresh? Would you anoint Jeff as he comes and speaks and open our ears to transform us by your words? In Jesus' name, amen. In addition to the traditional palm crosses, that we're all going to receive later on in the service, I want to give you something else. And it's one of these. I'm going to need a hand, please. Ben, could you give me a hand? Can you take some round on this side? These stones, these pebbles, they come from a mountain stream in Scotland. So I want you to have one. Joanne, can I get you to give some out as well, please? And uh, the idea is to hold it while I speak. Uh, Please don't throw them at me if you get fed up with what I'm saying. And I need them back at the end because I want to use them next Sunday as well. And the question, of course, is what has this got to do with Palm Sunday? And I suppose as you hold that stone, you'll think immediately of what we heard in our reading about the stones that Jesus said will cry out if the disciples stop cheering. Now that's a bit of an unusual thing to say, don't you think? Stones crying out. We don't normally use that saying and we don't really know which stones Jesus was referring to. Did he mean the stones on the road he was riding on or the stones of the great temple of Jerusalem that he'd by then must have reached. But it is a familiar saying in Middle Eastern culture. In fact, if you look at uh, Habakkuk, the Old Testament prophet, he talks of stones of a wall of a house crying out, not in praise, but in protest, because those houses had been built with bloodshed. Stones in the Bible are used in all sorts of symbolic ways. Jesus refers to the stones in our reading of the temple and the city of Jerusalem, which will be wrecked one day. There's a reference to a stone in Psalm 118, the stone which the builders rejected, which has become a cornerstone. And Jesus used that reference to refer to himself. Psalm 118 has close links with Palm Sunday. Uses the words, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord and it talks about people waving branches as the Lord comes. So there's lots and lots of different references and if you're a sad person like me, you love to look up words and trace them through or perhaps you don't. But it's a fascinating thing to do. I want to focus on just one symbolic 
reference to stones. So as you hold that stone, let's imagine what that journey was like for Jesus. I don't know if anybody here has done that journey. Have you been to the Holy Land and followed up the Mount of Olives over to Jerusalem? I believe there's roads now, but back then it would have been a very hard slog. Somebody who's done it described it like this. Mile after uphill mile, in the heat of the day, you climb to the top of Mount Olives and then you look out and there is the holy city spread out before you, glistening in the sun. It was a steep and rocky pathway. It wasn't an easy journey. Despite the crowds and the cheering, that's quite a climb into Jerusalem. And so it is sometimes for us, as we follow the Lord Jesus Christ, that journey can be quite difficult. It can be a hard journey. The reason it's hard is because we do not conform to the standards of this world. We're swimming against the tide, in a way. I heard a young student who goes... He's a Christian and he goes to a very prestigious university in this country and he was talking about university life and he said, at my university it's very atheistic, it's very liberal, it's addicted to partying, alcohol and sexual immorality in that university and I'm finding it really hard to be a Christian there. It's tough for him to stand against that culture. And for people to say to him, you're not normal, you're not joining in. So sometimes the journey can be hard. A few weeks ago, we were reflecting on the Christians in North Korea and how hard it is for them. Open Doors, the organisation that supports Christians in persecuted countries, says North Korea is the hardest place to be a Christian. You can be pulled out of your house and shot dead, you and your family, if you possess a Bible. If you are suspected of even thinking about Christianity, you'd be arrested and put in prison where many of our brothers and sisters are starving. So it really is a hard journey for them and it was a hard journey for the Lord Jesus Christ as he went on into Jerusalem He knew what he was going towards, you see. And yet, he was determined to do it. This always staggers me. The way Jesus was setting himself to go to Jerusalem. Nothing could make him avoid it. He was, in fact, fulfilling a prophecy from Isaiah. I offered my back to those who beat me. I didn't hide my face from mocking and spitting. The Sovereign Lord helps me. And he says this, Therefore have I set my face like flint, as hard as that stone in your hand. Nothing is going to stop me from going to the cross. He was absolutely determined. Set his face like flint. In Luke chapter 9, we're told, as the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, he resolutely set out for Jerusalem. That's one translation. If you go back to the original language, it says, 
he set his face to go to Jerusalem. Have you ever seen the face of someone who is absolutely determined to reach their destination, no matter what the cost or the pain? I'm a great admirer of marathon runners. Basically, I can't do it. I've never tried. Anybody here run a marathon? This is Sarah Hall. She's a Christian. She's won many titles. She's an American athlete married to another marathon runner, Ryan. Ryan Hall. And they say this about the Christian life. Being a Christian can be like running a marathon. You have to go through the pain and grit your face, is what she says. Jesus set his face like flint. He was determined to sacrifice himself. Nothing could stop him. Do you know Satan wanted to stop him from dying on the cross? Why? Because that was his defeat. Nothing could stop Jesus, whatever the cost. And the call to you and I as Christians is to do the same. To be determined to follow him, no matter what the cost. To set our faces like flint. There is a cost, you see. Years and years ago, um, some churches in North London put on a big mission. They hired a leisure centre and they invited the evangelist J. John, who you may have heard of, to come and speak over five nights. And he spoke very powerfully. And when he spoke, at the end, he would give what we used to call an altar call. He would invite people to come forward to make a commitment to Christ. And some of us were trained to be counsellors, to pray with those people. And I shall never forget one man who came forward. And he said this to a a colleague of mine, a counsellor and I who stood with him. He said this, I don't know why I've come forward. Something has impelled me out of my seat, he said. But the truth is, I shouldn't be here because J. John's just been speaking about forgiveness. And I know if I give my life to Jesus Christ, I will have to forgive someone who I'm not going to forgive and cannot forgive, someone who's hurt me deeply. So no, the cost is too great. And he walked away. I don't think he ever did become a Christian. I don't know. I pray he did. But there's a cost to living the Christian life. I think it was Paul Hunt who mentioned, was it a week or two weeks ago, the book Dietrich Bonhoeffer's Cost of Discipleship. You know his story, how he was arrested by the Nazis in 1943 for speaking out against Um, what they were saying and two years he spent in prison and then on the orders of Himmler in 1945 he was executed. It was costly for him to do that. He set his face like flint and in this book The Cost of Discipleship he talks about the cost of being a Christian if we're really serious about living the way Jesus wants Christians to live. And he goes through a number of areas in this book. Purity of heart, truthfulness, retaliation and anger. 
And as he goes through, he begins to show what the cost could be to live in Jesus' way. I'll I'll just speak briefly about one of them. Retaliation. If somebody upsets you, offends you, or hurts you, our natural reaction is to retaliate, either to defend ourselves or to hit back. But in the Sermon on the Mount, which Bonhoeffer goes through, Jesus tells us to turn the other cheek, not to retaliate at all. Now, that doesn't mean turning a blind eye to the cruelty and injustice in the world. As Christians, we have a duty to call that out. But if someone upsets you personally or lies about you or puts you down, Jesus calls us to renounce our desire for retaliation, to turn the other cheek. Didn't he do that himself? When he was in front of Pilate and he was accused of all sorts of things, he remained silent. And Pilate said to him, aren't you going to say something? And he was amazed, it says, that Jesus was silent. Well, of course he was amazed. He probably tried hundreds of criminals and every single one of them would have said, I'm innocent, I didn't do it. Not our Lord. It is costly to do those kinds of things. Jesus set his face like flint to die for you. Are you willing to set your face like flint to follow him no matter what? Even when you don't feel like it? Perhaps you're unwell and you're angry with him, but you set your face like flint as he did. Let me finish with a quote from the last book I believe John Stott wrote. It's called The Radical Disciple. And he says this, We are not to be like reeds shaken in the wind, bowing down before the gusts of public opinion, but immovable as rocks in a mountain stream. So as you hold that stone, let's be quiet for a moment. No matter what happens in your life, are you determined never to give up following the Lord Jesus Christ? Let's just sit for a few minutes more with those thoughts. Thank you so much, Jeff. We're so blessed to have such spirit-filled preachers here who encourage us to keep going, to keep following God's ways. And I just want to perhaps invite you in the quiet just to bring to God anything actually that's really costly for you at the moment. What is costly for you in terms of following Jesus? Maybe it's with your families. Maybe, maybe you've got someone actually you know you need to forgive and actually that's just put a finger on something today. Maybe actually you've been hurt by people and you've, you, you're called to turn the other cheek and just do what Jesus did and that's hard. 
just invite God to, to show us if there is anything that he particularly wants to deal with, particularly around the, the, the Lord's table this morning. Because we don't have to do this on our own. He gives us the strength to go forward, just as he gave Jesus the strength to keep going. So let's be still and just have a conversation with God about anything you need to this morning. And as I look out here, I see dear Sahar with us as well today. And some of us know just how much that's cost Sahar to follow Jesus, what she's been left behind. And Sahar, we continue to pray for you and your family and just all that you've had to leave behind to follow Jesus. We cheer you on and we say well done and keep going. So let's continue in prayer now. We're going to have some prayers. I think Joanne's going to come and lead us in prayer. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we come to you now with our prayers for the world. Firstly, we pray for our young people as they start their Easter holidays. We pray it will be a time of rest and fun. For some, it will be a relief to be away from school, away from the stress of exams, away from peer pressure and away from bullying. But for others, school is their safe haven, and for that two weeks, that safety net will not be in place. So Lord, we lift these young people to you, and ask that you will watch over them and keep them safe. We pray for teaching and admin staff as they start their Easter holidays. May it be a time of rest and relaxation for them and their families. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for those seeking a better way to implement Ofsted. Our schools and staff need to be monitored, but the present process puts the teaching staff under much pressure. We ask that you will give wisdom and understanding to those making changes so a better solution can be found. We pray for teachers as they seek a fair wage for not only teaching but mentoring 
our children, who are our country's future. The current offer is not fully funded, and so schools struggling already with their budget will not have the money to pay the increase. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for those whose lives have suddenly changed in the past three weeks, through natural disasters, flooding, cyclones, tornadoes. Those who have lost loved ones, and those where relationships have broken down, and others who have lost their job. We ask Jesus that you will comfort them and put the right people in their lives to support them through the coming weeks. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray now for those in need of your touch in their lives, people we know and love who are in need of your healing, your patience, and we ask that you will give them comfort and especially your peace. We ask it will be close to them at this time and their loved ones. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And to close our time of prayers this morning, we say together, Merciful Father, accept these prayers for the sake of your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. We're not actually going to quite close our prayers yet. We're going to pray through the notices. And I really want to just pray. There's so much really key stuff that's coming up in these next couple of weeks. And just to say, today um, we began our uh, Holy Week reflections. We've got eight different people, um, just looking around here, including Keith, um, who are, have got a daily reflection for Holy Week. Uh, it's the, the Palm Sunday one is on our website and our Facebook page now. And do listen to that. It's a great one by Nigel from St. Andrews uh, this morning. But just let's pray that as they go out on Facebook particularly and wider reach just than our community, that actually people would encounter Jesus through those. Let's just, in the quietness of your hearts, just pray for that for 10 seconds now. And then our Easter services this week, you know, we've got lots going on, particularly um, coming up on Monday, Thursday, we've got midweek down at St. Andrews, and then we've got a um, really reflective time where we're going to be the chance to do foot washing and the chance to watch what happened, and particularly dwell in John's Gospel on Monday, Thursday with some videos, um, and we'll be outside, bring a coat and stuff as well. You know, really special time we had last year, and it'll be similar this year. Good Friday, we're... Um, down at St Andrews, two till three, which Paul's leading us in for last hour at the cross, and um, there'll be a children's families Monday, uh, uh, Good Friday, messy at three thirty here. Saturday uh, night we've got an Easter vigil here that Joe Vickery's going to lead, and then Sunday morning um, just our usual services. Also, there's the sunrise service. If you want to get up for six fifteen on top of the beacon, it's well worth doing. Really special time. 
So again, let's just pray for a moment for those services that actually this would, these would speak to us as we journey through the story, but also that God would draw others to our church to come and hear this amazing story this Easter. And then excitingly, we have the Great Malvern Easter Treasure Hunts too, which I was on uh, BBC uh, Hereford and Worcester this morning at 10 past 8 on the radio, um, just giving a big plug for it, giving a big plug for All Saints. We gave a, the, the guy, the presenter, says he runs past All Saints regularly and he gave a big plug for, you, for us uh, this morning. But here's just a little one minute of what this is all about. I want to just really say, you know, I really pray that people would encounter Jesus as they do this. There's some really profound stuff. The videos that that have been produced by the diocese and several people doing some amazing acting from our congregations and reflecting at the top of British Camp Hill about the crucifixion, at Giant's Cave about the resurrection. You know, we're really inviting people into the story and I'm praying that people would encounter Jesus as they do this. I heard yesterday that the Malvern Buzzards, a local running group, are going to run this as part of their Easter run this week. Um, What an amazing opportunity, you know. Uh, So let's pray, again, just in the quietness of your own hearts, let's pray that actually people would encounter Jesus. This isn't just a fun gimmick. This is a fun thing, but actually this is getting the gospel message out to our communities, and we just pray God's blessing on this. I encourage you to go and try it yourself. If you can't do the bits on the hills, it's okay. You can skip those bits and watch it all from the car park. Um, Alpha, we are particularly plugging, you know, part of the, that, that Treasure Hunt app actually plugs Alpha, gives a people to, to give chance for people to sign up to want to do Alpha or for inquire more about Alpha. So we're going to be starting that after Easter. We, we haven't set a time yet. We're going to see who's interested and work it around that. But uh, there are some invites. I have got some in my car. I'll bring them later on um, after the service here. But if you've got a friend or if you're someone who actually has never done Alpha before and, and just is a bit stuck in their faith and want to try that, then come and join us. Um, but do be praying. Who might you invite for Alpha this year? And then the APCM um, is uh, two weeks time, Sunday the 16th. We're going to celebrate all that God's done in the last year. We'll elect new offices 
Um, we'll have pastries together before the service and lunch after the service. And that will be my last time with you for three months. So we bless each other um, from there. So do come along to that. And, and one more thing is that Janet has got a card here for, for Frank, who um, is 106 in a few days' time. Please do sign up the card and remember him. So again, let's just pray for those things, for Alpha, for APCM, for the treasure hunts. Let's just pray God's blessing on them. And one last thing I'd ask you to pray for today is our youth are currently away on a weekend away at Gaines Manor, which is about half an hour from here. There's 15 young people who've been there for the weekend with four leaders. And I just want to read a little bit of what Liz Saunders has messaged me this morning to encourage you to pray for the last three or four hours and, and, you know, the follow-up from this. I said, um, we've had a great weekend and some incredible conversations with the kids God has been moving powerfully here. Very little sleep, though. The teaching program has really captured the kids' imaginations, and they have really engaged with the discussion groups, conversations spilling very naturally out of the God slots and into free time and activities. Some really challenging, interesting, thought-provoking questions being asked by by the young people, too. Lots to build on when we're back. An amazing bunch of young people. So encouraging. They've done um, combat archery. They've done had a murder mystery. They've been canoeing. Um, I've seen a picture of my son tipping my daughter, my daughter tipping my son into the river. Um, pray for them as they finish off and for those leaders as well. But they've had a really special weekend. Again, that is part of us. And God's doing an amazing work among our young people. All our information on our uh, mailing, if you're not uh, logged in, those people are watching from home, then please do connect in. We'd love to keep you informed of what's happening. So let's stand, shall we, and just declare the peace and pray God's peace on each other. We are the body of Christ. In the one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Let us then pursue all that makes for peace and builds up our common life. The peace of the Lord be always with you and also with you. Let's share with one another a sign of the peace. Come to the Lord's table. We're going to sing again. Um, you laid aside your majesty.
And Lord, we want to acknowledge there that you are the only one who died for us. That you gave your life to set us free. And at the start of this Holy Week, we come and acknowledge that. And we come and give you thanks again. And we come humbly on our knees to recognise what you have done for us. And say, we are not worthy, but you make us worthy by your death on the cross. So come and meet us here, in this bread and this wine. The Lord is here. His Spirit is with us. Lift up your hearts. We lift them to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It's right to give thanks and praise. It is right to praise you, Father, Lord of all creation. In your love, you made us for yourself. When we turned away, you did not reject us, but came to meet us in your Son. You embraced us as your children and welcomed us to sit and eat with you. In Christ, you shared our life that we might live in him and he in us. He opened his arms of love upon the cross and made for all the perfect sacrifice for sin. And on the night he was betrayed at supper with his friends, he took breads and he gave you thanks. He broke it and gave it to them saying, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Father, we do this in remembrance of him. His body is the bread of life. And at the end of supper, taking the cup of wine, he gave you thanks and said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. Father, we do this in remembrance of him. His blood is shed for all. And as we proclaim his death and celebrate his rising in glory, send your Holy Spirit that this bread and this wine may be to us the body and blood of your dear Son. As we eat and drink these holy gifts, make us one in Christ, our risen Lord. And with your whole church throughout the world, we offer you this sacrifice of praise and lift our voice to join the eternal song of heaven. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Do sit or kneel as we say the prayer our Saviour taught us. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily breads. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. So we break this bread to share in the body of Christ. Though we are many, we are one body, because we all share in one bread. So draw near with faith, receive the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he gave for you, and his blood which he shed for you. Eat and drink in remembrance that he died for you and feed on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving. Amen. I want to invite you as you come for communion today to bring your stone up. And perhaps Jeff could just put the basket out on the side there. And as you, 
as you come past the basket, why don't you leave your stone in the basket as a sign of your commitment to wanting to follow the hard way, to wanting to follow God's way. And as you come and receive the bread and the wine, in effect, you're just saying, God, I need your help to do this. And maybe think about what that specific thing was earlier that you were praying about. And as you open your hands, offer that to God. Ask him for him to strengthen you, to be able to forgive that person, or to be able to turn the other cheek, or to be able to keep going, or whatever it was. And as you return from taking the bread and the wine, take with you a palm cross. Take that back to your seats and just sit with it, knowing that actually you don't have to do this stuff in your strength. And remind yourself of actually what Jesus did for you. And if you'd like to have prayer this morning too, then I don't know who's on prayer ministry, but if they could come and receive first, then they'll be sitting at the back. And if you want to just go and get some prayer for people to just cheer you on and help you to keep going and offer just what's on your hearts to God together. Then just as soon as you've received communion, go to the back and people would love to pray with you. As we close the service, we're going to sing Meekness and Majesty, which just describes something more of what we've got ahead this week and recognises again that that great Jesus who came as a king, as a triumphant saviour on the Palm Sunday was to face some real lows later on as the Holy Week handouts. Let's just stand if we're able and sing.
And Lord, we thank you that you are our gods, that you show us what meekness and majesty looks like. But we know that the end of the story is you triumphing over the grave. And that brings us new life and new hope. And it changes everything. And we just thank you for these gifts now which we offer back to you. Bless them in your service here. For the ministry which you've called us to. In the name of Jesus. Amen. And now we lay down the palm branches. And with them we lay down our belief that there is another way for God to be God. As the last echo of the final Alleluia fades, so does our hope that this journey can end in any other way. This week stretches ahead, gloryless and painful. Whether we walk with all faith or none, we look towards the cross, knowing it is both the most human and most divine of all journeys. Travel the road, my friends, with courage, with love, and with the uneasy peace that is the gift of faith into this holiest of weeks. Amen. And may God give to you and to all those you love his comforts and his peace, his light and his joy in this world and the next. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you now and always. Amen.